I'm Dan Broskell. And I'm Dave Geller. And we are the co-hosts of What Do We Know? What Do We Know is a free-range podcast dealing with wellness, education, sports, personal stories, and more from two guys who know a lot about certain things, but not a lot about others. Your hosts are Dan Broskell, a longtime educator, compulsive runner, and father of five. And Dave Geller, a pediatrician with three kids and an amazing Maine accent. All right, good morning. It's a wonderful day here in Lexington, Bedford. 61 degrees and sunny coming along. Starting my week with my good friend Dave Geller. What's up, Dave? Not much. You and I are both up. We've been up since the early morning hours, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot has happened in the past week. A lot has happened. Anyway, I'd like to say how you set off the uh, podcast today that Lexington got first billing, so I'm happy with that. Oh, always, always. Great. The greater Lexington area. We're just we're in your sphere of influence, not vice versa. Um, yeah, so just to update everybody, I've had a, you know I had kind of a mid-corona crisis last week, and I kind of did a couple strange things. Uh, what were those? What were those things? Well, Dave, you can see me now. I put a little color in my oh, hair. Oh yeah, so yeah. There, we're, Skyping. we're Skyping right now. Yeah. yeah so you, uh, you, it, you I lightened it, but it ends up being this very interesting sort of highlighting complex, you know, complexion hair. But like, I kind of like it, and it's fun. So and I'd then, like, uh, if we have the time, I'd like to dig a little deeper with that because knowing you well enough, you are you're not overly particular about your hair. But I remember yeah. for a while, you never let it grow long, or you never cut it. I forget which one it was. You always wore it pretty I short. Was, well, so right? the the, ba- the backpack story. Is, I mean, I shaved it once a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of college, and then when I was living abroad, I shaved it like bicked it once a week. And then for about 17 years, we'll kind of give it like four to six weeks of time and then cut it again with like a zero or a one. And then a couple of years ago, my friend's like, hey, you actually, you know, you look good with longer hair. I kind of let it ride. I think that was and, me, uh, right? Who gave it that uh, You were not that guy. Um, and then it's been a couple of years. I'm like, you know, my, my, my wife and my mom were right. Like, my hair looks all right. So I'm going to keep, keep it in there. No, no Yeah, but, but now it's blonde. Now you look kind of like Justin Bieber. It's not blonde. I mean, I was in college. I bleached a couple of times. Elizabeth was like, hey, not. let's have some fun. Oh, yeah. Um, so who knows? I mean, no one's going to see me for a month, Dave. So I can pretty much do whatever I want, right? So we may have to make these podcasts somehow, you know, you know, uh, with some video so we can throw some more yeah. pictures up there of you with a, well, with a bleach blonde hair. Well, Dave, this isn't a vlog. It's a pod. So. It is a pod. Sorry. Um, so I did that. And then you now we got new television. And also, Dave, you're going to be very happy. Sign up for Netflix. Yeah. Um, so all the shows I've heard so much about and never watched. Well, you know, I'm there now. So um, I want to say for you, I know that you're watching Tiger King. I tried that. Didn't like it. I'm going to say for Julie. Um, I tried watching Peaky Blinders, didn't like it either, sorry. Agreed. Um, but I am just killing Fauda. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Watch, that's, that's, watch season one and season two, and like basically nonstop. And I just want to watch that show forever, even though there's only one more season. So, Baruch Hashem, like what a gift that was to, to have that during Corona. So, that was my mid Corona crisis. You know, television, Netflix, hair. Boom. Have you had a mid-corona crisis yet? Not really. I've done a lot of cleaning, and that's been a little therapeutic, and just trying to stay on my schedule. I was, yeah. I, I was texting your, your wife um, last week, right? And uh, actually, she, when she sent me the pictures of your hair, and then she sent me pictures of your son's hair, James, right? So he, yeah. he bleached his, he, whatever you call it, bleached or blonde, blondedized it. And she she said, you're just trying to stay busy during Corona. And I said, I think you've got another month of this left. And she was like, ugh. Um, you know, it's funny. I think this is week four. 
it feels like week 40 and there's mm. still four weeks to go until May 4th. So, I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to keep on doing what we've been doing. Dave, as you know, we're going hiking pretty much every day. Actually, I actually wrote a list of all the places that we've been and it's, you know, there's like 26 different hikes we've done. Um, and like, we're going to keep on going. So actually we did, we did what you sit on Saturday, which was really, really nice. Nick, not a long hike, but really, uh, the kids really enjoyed it. It was a beautiful view. I'd never been there before. Um, and then, uh, you know, trying out a bunch of other ones also. I went out to Acton yesterday to a place called Spring Hill mm. and just sort of mucked through the mud and rocks. And uh, just really loving the trail. This has really been a great thing for us to be doing, just sort of hanging out for an hour, an hour and a half hiking each day. So we will continue so, that, certainly with this good weather. So you moved on from the king of the running trails, as I've dubbed you, to now the king of the hiking trails. Well, you know, I'm still running. But, you know, given the, given the ticks that are sort of attracted to me, Dave, I've been trying to do, like today I did all roads. I'm not going to stay away from the woods if I'm not hiking right now because I'm kind of freaked out. But You know, the, the, I don't yeah, think the ticks, right. got, ticks did not get the social distancing memo yet. You know? so ticks you gotta, are not socially distancing at all. We should really, we should, maybe they're red state ticks. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> was, sorry, not sorry. Smack that um, one. Just to give people a heads up, that the back end of this pod is going to be an outstanding interview that we did yesterday with uh, with our friend Barack Schwartz, who's a strength and conditioning coach from Maccabi Tel Aviv. So once we're done with our little banter, make sure you stick around for Barack, who has a lot of amazing stuff to say about life in Israel under the coronavirus, what's his work like training world-class athletes, and answering the question, like, who would win, Duke from last year or Maccabi Tel Aviv this year? And it was really cool to hear his answer, so... Really good time talking to him yesterday. I was, I had, he was such an interesting guy, and I look forward to. Um, that was my first interaction with him. I look yeah. forward to talking to him more. He had a lot of uh, great, uh, insightful things to say. I'm actually, as people will hopefully listen to that, that pod is. I'm interested that you chose Duke as your Maccabi, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, matchup. I, I thought you you're going to go somewhere else with that besides Duke. You know, although higher. Well, level, I mean, listen, the, any NBA team South is going to you know, mop the, the floor with, with the Euroleague team, right? It's, it's not the same thing. But you know, there's always there's always a question like in, in the 90s, would you know, or now, like, would Alabama college football be able to beat the Bengals? And the answer is no. <laughs> no, the answer is no because the Bengals are all the best college players, and Alabama's not top to bottom in the NFL. But in basketball, like you know. Mm. Like, what is really the difference between the best league in the world, which is the NBA, and perhaps the second best league in the world, which is the EuroLeague? And you see it in the international basketball competitions when the U.S. struggles. If the best guys aren't playing, they will lose to the Spains and the Latvias and Lithuanias even today. So um, not for nothing. You know, I figured the Celtics are, or even like, you know, uh, who's a bad basketball team? The Knicks. Like, the Knicks would probably beat Maccabi. But what about like an outstanding Duke team that's loaded with three first round picks? Like, what would that look like? Hmm. And with Zion, who's I would say probably better than anybody on um, Maccabi Tel Aviv right now, like how much does that one player factor into it? But like we're getting ahead of ourselves, Dave. Yes, that well, kind of that that kind yes. of like who, who'd win in this mythical matchup? That's what video games are made for, you know, not real world conversations. But uh, Passovers this week, Dave. I assume you're getting ready. I started a little late cleaning today, um, and we're playing a couple Seder Reem yeah. um, Wednesday night, Thursday night. We may Zoom some people in, may not. We'll see how it goes. You may be some of those people. I'm not quite sure yet. Yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going it's, it's to be weird. I mean, you had you know, Palm Sunday yesterday. You've got Easter mm-hmm. coming up. There's a mm-hmm. lot of holidays taking some hits right now. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, you know, a lot's happening, and yet I would say nothing is happening also. 
Um, so other, other than me catching up on shows and going to hikes and running and getting tick bites, it's been a, you know, <laughs> repeat, 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 repeat. So Netflix this week, you know, then you can follow my trend. You can do Amazon and then you can do um, Disney Plus. No, I'm not, I'm not doing the streaming stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the, the Prime, which I've had. And, uh, and, uh, oh, and by the way, I think last week I was talking about that show, Baker and the Beauty. And then what's, what did I see you preview for in CBS is the American adaptation of Baker and the Beauty. Ooh. I think it's about like a Cuban baker and a model probably in Miami. I'm like, I literally just watched this show out of Israel and uh and it was such a really good first two seasons you would actually like it dave um so you know and, and the thing about fauda is you know i uh, i think i'm sort of, i'm watching these israeli shows to sort of keep up the hebrew exposure um, yep. i don't want to watch it when it's dubbed i actually want to hear it in the in the, in the authentic huh. uh, you know language of the subtitles and as you know about fauda like it's such a groundbreaking show in israel because it's like it's like most of the shows in arabic you know it's a lot of like focused on the arabic uh, and the palestinian characters as opposed to the israelis which isn't isn't usually the case but i mean again what an amazing show and uh i've really enjoyed it there's a lot more out there i can't wait to hear about all the you're gonna a lot watch. of content and i was telling you i was telling you dave I'm, I'm gonna start watching ozark based on your recommendation and the fact that i watched the pv i'm like oh i get it so i'll check that out soon awesome awesome um have you been watching think, any of that uh, i don't know, the the espn shows of the um the sports that aren't sports no no Okay, no. they have some no. interesting sports on there. Just, just it's. If you yeah. remember that, remember that when ESPN first started years ago, like back in the early eighties. Were you were, were you even born well, yet? Well, I've read about it. I don't remember it per se. So sorry, you know. Yeah, when they had these these random these random sports, like I was watching a juggling competition with pins, juggling pins. They could you know see how many times they could you know juggle certain pins. And I was watching a soccer. It was a it was a it was a ping pong table match between two guys who were just heading the ball back and forth on a ping pong table diving across the net slamming it with their heads pretty i forget what the name of the show was you, you, you would enjoy it but that can be a conversation i mean this the, you know the, the topic of like what what unusual sports are sometimes on that you can find on like that, that channel like 11 sports or like bn sports or like the olympic channel i mean you can check out um you know curling which is on actually a lot i would say more mainstream um have you ever watched handball, Dave? Yes, these are, but these are mainstream. These are real sports. Well, it's not mainstream here. I'm just saying, like, juggling, you, juggling you, is you can, not. You, you, juggling. Can, you can find some, like, rebroadcast handball now. Which I, I'm like, yeah. it's kind of fun, you know? Yeah, but juggling is not a sport. I mean, it's a, it's a, um, it's kind of. I, I, I would agree. I would agree, Dave. Hacky sack, I would say, could be a sport. Um, Dave. Can jam <laughs> could be a sport. Can Jam is Dave's classic you know, camp game. There. <laughs> if anybody if knows what Can Jam is, please shoot me a direct message on Twitter so I can be impressed with you because I didn't know about Can Jam until about three years ago up on the lake. I think I almost, uh, I think I almost took out your, your younger daughter with that heavy frisbee. But well, that's after you almost broke her arm on the trampoline. But that's that's Dave's mo. Like comes into my house and like accidentally injures my injures my kids like once in a while. And that's after I, I I almost uh, hurt someone's neck on the um on the tubing expedition. Oh my gosh! Well, you know, luckily I think I, I think I've either injured friends. or drew blood on all of your kids at different times. You know, not not you know not a uh, medical drawing blood. Yeah, not like, not the kind of drawing of yeah. blood that one would want, right? It's amazing um, they still allow me in the house. Uh, 
this week in medicine day of anything that we should be wary of or concerned about besides ticks and corona <laughs> uh corona's still out there um yeah, I'm no tick, yeah it's like it's like yeah it's uh ticks yeah tick season allergy season is going to ramp up which is going to be which is going to confuse the picture with people with cough stuffy noses sure. you know and um sore throats uh yeah this summertime stuff's happening the injuries are still uh, are, are gonna ramp up i was actually speaking to um one of my friends at uh children's hospital and they're still you know of course keeping their urgent orthopedic clinics open in boston in waltham because they're still seeing all the injuries now and actually it, uh, even more they said now because kids are staying inside more or, or just you know playing around their their uh, lawns more so you know it's, you know with springtime and summer become comes uh injuries yeah yeah, I mean, and you and you, um, and you, and you, how many tick bites have you had in the past two weeks now? What's that kind of? Well, I pulled the tick off my neck that was walking around two weeks ago, and then one was sort of digging in today. I'm like, get off me! Um, and I'm actually Did hurt it? a little bit coming off, so that was really great. How'd you get it off? Um, I had my my professional tick remover, Elizabeth Roskill, take care take care of that one for me. What was her method? Did I have to put tweezers? One tweezers? Yeah. yeah. There's all these different methods that people talk about, and I was interested to see what people well, use. Well, Dave, you were you were reflecting on the pliers last week, so luckily we didn't need that. <laughs> oh goodness! I, I, can um, just picture, I can just picture her with like one foot against your chest, and you know, pulling on this thing, you know, pulling back. Yeah, let's and, not put that image in our in our okay. podcast listeners' minds. Um, okay. I also watched Solo, actually, for the record, which is this the Star Wars spinoff about Han Solo, uh, sort of a, um, which was on Netflix. We enjoyed that. Um, I thought that two, was I thought there was going to be a documentary on the on the Olympic women's soccer team. <laughs> well, you we, know, I, I I talked about Free Solo, the movie. There's Hope Solo, the goalie, who, as you know, is a little bit of a lunatic. Yeah. Um, but this was Solo about Han Solo, and it was done. And, and Chewbacca has an outstanding performance uh, in the movie Solo. Uh, we showed the boys Bad Boys, the original Bad Boys with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, which is still Ooh. really, really, really funny. And then we started watching Bad Boys Two last night. I remember why. I saw it once, never saw it again. It isn't that good, and it's way too long. So we'll finish that today, and then perhaps check out Bad Boys for Life. Uh, again, the, 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 the second sequel that nobody asked for, but got some good reviews. I think that's just because no other movies are coming out at that time. People are like, hey, let's go and see this, because it's out. So, I don't know. Then you can watch Barbershop and Barbershop 2. Yeah, uh, pass. Um, so so that's, what I, that's what I got. Do a lot of grocery shopping. I had to wait in line at Trader Joe's outside because they've now limited the number of folks that could be inside at once in Market Basket. Too. They're counting people who are in Market Basket and making you wait. So, And this week, I, you know, the Surgeon General said, like, hey, try not to go to the store at all. I'm like, yeah. I have five kids. What do you want me to do? You know, I'm going. Is your garden up, up and running yet? Absolutely not. Ooh. Is your neighbor's oh. garden up and running? <laughs> Uh, my neighbor in the garden plot, or my neighbor like on, on, on my home, <laughs> the neighbor of your house. <laughs> Actually, in the, in, the, in the community plots, people have started. Um, we have not. And, yeah, you, uh, you can go in the wee hours of the night and get yourself some cucumbers from your neighbor's right. plot. Right. Well, it's a little early for cucumbers, which usually pop out in sort of late July. But I appreciate your sentiment. You know, I know they love my vegetable stories. I, Actually, Jen went shopping this morning early and, came, and she came home with a six-pack of toilet paper. I was like, that's gold. Wow, where'd she find that? I don't... Um, wow, nice. Have you, have, you, have you checked your cabinets? Um, no, I think that uh, <laughs> she... Um, I think it was Stop and Shop, honestly. And, wow, uh, nice. I'm not sure which, which is better, that or like a surgical mask right now, but I'll, I'll take either. Are you wearing masks when you go out? I have not started that yet. 
I because more. I mean, now it. it's like I would say half. Yeah, it's like half of people now in the grocery store, and I'm not. I think if I, I don't know. That's a great question. I think if I went to the grocery, I mean, they're recommending it now. If I w- in the office, we're wearing them. Um, right. If I went out to the grocery store, if I went out right side right now for a run or a walk, I would not wear one. If I was going to the grocery store and everybody was wearing one, then maybe I wouldn't. Uh, I might, I might have, <laughs> I probably would have one around my, my neck and I probably, I, I probably lean to wear it if I was you know, getting close to people. I probably would at this point, there's no downside to it. And they're saying that, you know, for just your general public, the cloth masks are fine. Um, in a doctor's office, surgical masks, you know, uh, should be worn. Um, and depending on your contact with Are people. you wearing goggles? I mean, the whole thing is like seal everything and seal the goggles. Gla- I mean, you're doing that too, Dave. You're just doing the mask. So it's all entry. You know, the worry is entry into your mucous membranes, right? Your eyes, your nose, yeah. you, know, you know, the... Um, so if I'm getting close to someone, if I'm examining anybody in the office now, I'm wearing a mask and gloves. More for their protection, I'd say, you know, the gloves because I'm washing my hands like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, and also maybe the mask, but also for sure. mine, you know, if, if you're seeing a newborn baby, the risk of the baby having it is like zero, but I don't want to give it to the baby in case two days from now I come down with it. Okay. I'm, I'm, if I'm seeing someone who has a respiratory illness, you know, and most of those kids I was seeing outside actually in the parking yeah. lot, I am yeah. definitely wearing a mask and or goggles when I see them just for that added protection. Um, when you see someone in the parking lot, is it, is it like a, like a canopy? Are they just driving through? Like, where's the setup, you know? It's a great question. So a lot of stuff we do online before we even, you know, talk to them on the phone or before yep. we even see them. So it's quick. We go out, we, probably, we usually examine them right in the car, you know, okay. depending on what it is, ears, your sure. lungs, stuff like that. We were thinking about putting up a tent in the back at some point. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know if, you know, to figure out, you know, if that's the best option next week or two, but it's been really easy. I even examined a baby and the, and the parents drove up. It was, it was for his one month checkup the parents you know i talked to them on the phone before they got there we actually used the patient portal before they got there yeah. answered the questions sure they yeah. called they they called they said they were there we, i went downstairs there all my equipment all cleaned and they had this nice little comforter in the back of their of their like in their little suv and i examined the baby in like seven minutes there and wrapped them up and went on their way they weighed him at home um and i did wow. some other measurements and it was great you know they really appreciated it so is someone assigned like parking lot duty or is it always a, an MD? Like how does that work? It's a great question. So on a certain day, one of us is doing sick visits really. And one of us is doing well visits for the most yep. part. Um, you know, the, but we, but it may occasionally cross over. Um, but anybody's doing a sick visit, you know, it's in the parking lot. In some of those parking lot visits, just because people don't want to come in, not that sure. they're actually that sick. But yep. if we're going on the parking lot due to a respiratory illness, you know, fever, cough, you know, possible COVID-19 yep. or any virus, then we're, we're gowning and gloving and masking and everything. So we're pretty well protected regardless. Again, man, 2020. 2020. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, every week, you know, now, now again, the mask thing is, is a great example, right? Everybody should wear a mask. And yeah, that's a recommendation. But, you know, two, six weeks, two months ago, no one was saying that. Um and uh, yeah, just it just yeah, twenty twenty retrospective scope. Well, you know, you're telling me your friends in DC. No school is out until June. No school's got, canceled in DC. School's canceled in school's DC. Done. We got, we got DC. sports league saying. I mean, there's just no way we're starting anything until July at the earliest. So, well, you know, what's keeping me sane is running, hiking, and podcasting, Dave. So you're part of my therapy rotation. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Repeat.
Repeat. repeat no Actually, and I spoke then go to, to the grocery I, store. I spoke to my really good friend of Maine um, by text the past couple of days. I think you met him, Scott Metasovich, right? He's the um, he's a great guy. We should have him on at some point for his perspective. He, uh, he is a former um, oh, the hockey hockey player, hockey right? Player at Yale, played yeah. for the Whalers yeah. for a short time. He's a, he's a family nurse practitioner up in Maine, and yeah. he came down with some, some significant um, fever and chills past couple of days got tested negative but negative for covid which is great you know so it's it's creeping up everywhere right now although isn't that like 70 percent accurate isn't there a chance you might have it anyway it also depends how how well they how well they do the swab you really got to go up go up there deep to um, to up there deep to get the, yeah, yeah, the um, yeah. but enough enough of this covid19 talk all right, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful day. It's sunny. We're going to be outside. You're going to have a great time cleaning. Where are you hiking today? So, I, I mean, what I do is I, I pull out, like, ways. I'll just, like, scroll around until I find green space, and I'll see if it's, like, a trail that's more than two miles, two and a half miles, and I'm like, hey, that's where we're going. So I don't know. Um, but I have a couple candidates, so stay tuned. I usually post about it on Twitter or Facebook, so you'll see where we're going. I was going to get you um, uh, seven used treadmills, and you could just, in your backyard, and you could just you know, walk on the treadmill. All your yeah, I like, I like, uh, you know, we like, we like the, like the, the, the twids and the rocks and the, and the babbling brooks and the bog bridges and the boardwalks and all that good stuff. So, well, there, there's, and the good, like, we don't go to the popular ones because they're too full. So we're finding like, you know, empty trails and local towns and really having a nice time. So I think what we all think about, I alluded this to, to it briefly on the upcoming pod with um, yeah. Barack, but what do you feel about those people who are running the marathons, right? They probably train for marathons. They can't run them. They're running them in these small confined areas. You know, the guy that ran on his, at his you know apartment complex on his um, balcony, right? Like, have you any thoughts on like going on a, on a small? I mean, you can run forever right now, but just say you had to be confined. Could you run a, like a, a short distance, long distance race like that? So I couldn't do it in the balcony. Um, I could envision like let's use the Bedford Pediatrics parking lot as an example. Yeah. Like, could I do two hundred and sixty laps around the Bedford Pediatrics parking lot and say to the marathon? I would say the answer is, yeah, I could probably handle that. My knees would be shot from just doing turns all the time. But, like, I, the, the concept, not that I'm planning on doing it, Dave. I think it's I think it's feasible. Um, but, like, running in place for four hours, like, you could do it. I could never do it. So. Yeah, I have a weird – I have a, I mean, um, condition-wise, I couldn't do it. But, but you know, but mentally, I could do it. Like, I think I told you once when we were when I was running – training for, like, a long race, um, I ran once with a good friend, Rabbi Lerner, right, Um we ran on it. We ran seven miles on the treadmill um, at the gym, yep. and then we ran eight miles at the Boston Sports Club in Waltham, yep. eighth mile, an eighth mile track. So a we lot ran of laps. Yeah. sixty-four times around that thing. That's a lot of laps. I was walking funny for a little bit after that. I think. I think. I think my, my Jen's Jen's immortal words were, "What are you guys idiots?" <laughs> <laughs> Hit repeat on that one. <laughs> That's always a good question for everybody. Yeah, just, just it's like a mad lib for my life. Insert Jen's phrase here. What do you guys? Uh, well, you know, what what do we know? I think we know that running in circles, in tight circles, is really bad for your knees unless you change directions. Even that's not that good for you. So heads up, we'll everybody. Ask that next time. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. How do you feel about marathons on? One sixteenth of mile tracks. Ah, I don't recommend it. Uh, All right, Dave. We're gonna we're gonna cut it here. We have a great pod coming up with Barack. I want everyone to enjoy it, and we'll be back later this week uh, with another guest. A great pod, and I want you to have a great time. And everybody, have a great Passover. All right, stay well. Hak my friend. Hak <laughs>
All right, guys, it's Sunday, May 5th, May 5th, April 5th, uh, 2020, uh, Season 1, Episode 17 uh, of What Do We Know. My name is Dan Broskel. Uh, I'm joined today, my, as always, by good friend Dave Geller, and straight from uh, the shores of the Mediterranean in Tel Aviv, uh, another old friend of mine, Barack Schwartz. So, Barack, welcome. Dave, Dan, thank you for having me on. It's a, it's an honor. You know, Dan, we spoke earlier, and you did mention there has been a, a Giants player, an MLB draft player on this podcast, and and now I'm on here, so it is it's an honor. <laughs> well, you know, plus, you know, like ice, local ice cream shop owner and a daycare provider and other celebrities. So, bro, I mean, for me, like, you'll fit right in. And um, my, my, um, and one of our first conversations with Barack, you know, and just for some context, Barack and I did some work together last year, um, my previous job. Um, we spent an hour just talking about a lot of, like, really interesting things and Barack said to me when we're done he goes you know what that was that was a podcast and I'm like that was probably a podcast we won't have that discussion today Barack because that was really specific on some I would say uh Jewish community Jewish educational Zionistic stuff but there might be a few points of intersection um you know based on what you're doing right now which we will come back to um well, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a little edged out here I'm good thing I hopped on the podcast with you before Barack <laughs> yeah you're, you're gonna fit right in because Brock's a really smart insightful guy with some really incredible experiences um, I've, I've been working uh, on saying Bar- I've been working on saying Barack all week to make sure I say it correctly with my Barack. <laughs> Barack. Uh, he's a Newton boy, not a Tel Aviv. So you're north, north or south? North or south? Newton South, Newton South, baby, Newton South Lions. Very cool. All the way. Um, so a couple weeks ago, Barack, we talked to our friend in London, and that was right before London kind of went under quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, been in Tel Aviv, which has been a little bit ahead of the curve. So can you just walk us through the past, you know, two months of, of what you've been experiencing? You know, on the ground and now like in your apartment and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do? Absolutely. Um, I've sort of lost track of time, to be honest, because I've been inside my apartment for uh, three weeks consecutively now. So I, I don't know if I can backtrack about two months. <laughs> but once uh, things started to pick up, I would say outside of Israel, when the news started to really creep up and numbers hadn't yet crept up in Israel, um, the sort of the red flag went up and um there was sort of laid back guidelines like stay six feet within one another. Don't be in crowds within more. Don't be in crowds of 10 people uh, or more in public gatherings. You could still go to work. Non-essentials are starting to close down. And week by week, uh, the government has continued to uh, lock down a little bit more on what we are and aren't allowed to do. Currently, uh, I'm not allowed to go further than 100 meters from my apartment. All non-essentials are closed. In non-essentials, um, restaurants, bars, cafes, clubs, anything like that, you can go to the supermarket. If it's not, you know, if you're walking and your supermarket isn't 100 meters within your apartment, you can get stopped, and you just have to explain what you're doing. And people are getting stopped regularly. And if you're not abiding by the by the guidelines, they're handing out some serious fines. And actually, just yesterday, I have a friend who lives uh, in more central Tel Aviv. He sent me a picture. They started to. You know, sort of in the States when they're putting out some of the National Guard, Israel has also put in some of their um, soldiers in the streets just to sort of be present a little bit. Um, but, but uh, you know, it's we're taking it day by day. And um, again, aside from the supermarket, I am, I, I mean, I've been here for almost a month straight, so I'm losing track of time a little bit. So, Barack, just, just, just so you know, I mean, you, you moved to Israel um, this year to become strength and conditioning coach for Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, which is Israel's premier basketball t- club, one of the premier clubs in Europe. Um, and here you are, you know, a, f- a full stop to all of that, you know, seven months in, which must be 
unbelievable. So for a guy that's so fun, I know you are, you were a certified personal trainer here in the States before you went over there. Are you staying in shape? Are you not staying in shape? Like what's happening in the home to, to keep you not from going crazy? So I, I'm, so to answer your question, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, I got lucky when I, I was living in one apartment, uh, in, um, Nachal Benjamin, and then I moved here, found a sublet, which I thought was going to take me to the end of the season, which is now, you know, I don't know when that's going to be. Um, but there are some free weights and there's some exercise stuff in the living room, which has kept me pretty busy. So I'm waking up every morning and I'm, I'm exercising, I'm doing workouts, I'm writing workouts for other people who are requesting them sure. and I'm making sure that I'm staying on my routine. I think that I've found, um, right. Like when the beginning of, I would say real quarantine happened the first day or so it hit me because, you know, there was no waking up for work and there was no waking up for the routine. And then after that, I told myself, I can't use this as an opportunity to fall out of the things that I normally do. In fact, I need to take this as an opportunity to continue those, but also take advantage of the time that I don't have to do other things, which is definitely what I've been doing. So I still get up at the same time. I go to sleep at the same time and I'm trying not to let the um, vacation feel because that's really kind of sort of what this is, is I think a vacation to a lot of people. And I'm trying to make, I'm trying to just be optimistic about the situation. So exercising six times a week. Absolutely. So I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives down in DC yesterday. We were Skype, we were um, FaceTiming, and he's a big Caps fan. So I was asking him, you know, how are the like how are the professional athletes staying in shape right now? You know, these guys who are NHL players, they can't skate anywhere. What are they What are they doing? What are you having your guys do? So just recently, we had a lot of the equipment from our weight room facility dropped off to the players that are still in the state. Uh, sorry, still in Israel. So we had some once we you know. The, the season was suspended, certain players decided to return to the States and certain players decided to stay. So we actually, players that are still in the States, the foreign players, should I say, because the Israelis are, of course, still here, had equipment delivered to them, free weights, mats, medicine balls, things that were lately accessible and we were able to bring. And it's a challenge, right? Because there's no basketball courts accessible, so we can't really do much basketball work. And that's the job for someone like me at this time is to maximize on what can we do. And to be able to write the players' programs so that they can do at the house, outside, if you can do any conditioning outside, if you can go on a run and, you know, get away with it, whatever you want, um, that's sort of the things. This is a time for you to get creative because we have never been in this situation before, all of us. Are you guys doing doing any Wii basketball, any sports on the Wii, virtually? I, you know, I, the guys are on Xbox and PlayStation. I'm not. But, you know, we should throw that in for some extra conditioning at the end. <laughs> Hey, you never know. Might be helpful. Um, so, can you get, I mean, give our listeners some context because you know I think uh, I'm pretty comfortable with saying Maccabi Tel Aviv is really a world a world class basketball club. But I mean, can you give us some context from from you know from the Israeli perspective? Like, what role does Maccabi Tel Aviv play in like the Israeli psyche? You know. Do, okay, let me start by saying so. I, I typically tell people because the Euro League is, is a little foreign to some people in the states. Yep. This, this is how I explain it. Um, the mecca of basketball, the best level of basketball in, in our world is the NBA, the National Basketball Association. The and if you were to eliminate the NBA, the next highest level of basketball that exists in the world, in my opinion, and this could be up for debate, but in my opinion, is the EuroLeague. It's eight, currently 18 teams across Europe, Italy, Israel, Russia, you know, 18 teams, Germany, that compete and play for the European Championship. Maccabi Tel Aviv is the only team in Israel that competes in the EuroLeague and has won the EuroLeague championship um, several times and is historical for doing that, most recent in 2014. 
And before our uh, lockdown, shutdown, if you will, with the season, we were we clinched a playoff spot in the EuroLeague playoffs. And so we kind of had and still potentially have, depending on what happens, a chance to win the EuroLeague. So uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, you know, is also, of course, part of the Israeli Premier League in Israel, which consists of the top uh, Division One men's leagues in Israel, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and Haifa and Huron, all those teams. And Maccabi um, year-round is always ranked first in that league. So um, in that general scheme, and we have, you know, a bucket of former NBA players and um, also historically uh, have, you know, have sent players to the NBA and, and also have uh, players who are potentially looking to be drafted to in the, in the upcoming draft. So um, it, it's, it's a very competitive league. Yeah. And uh, famously this year, you have each of those, you have Omri Caspi coming home yes. for, uh, for a long NBA career. Unfortunately, never played in the playoff game through just mm-hmm. un- un- unfortunate circumstances. And according to some scouts, maybe the number three or number four overall pick next year's or this year's draft, Danny Avdia, yes. who I'm sure you're working with. So if you were to say, if people ask, you know, so how would Maccabi fare in, you know, against the, the Duke of last year with Zion? Would they blow them out of the water because these are former NBA pros or would it actually be a competitive match? You know, look, um, it's 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 hard for me to answer because when you when you look at Duke's team last year with Zion, you've got 17, 18, and 19 year old studs who yeah. are who are beginning the you know beginning their career in the league, and you play against a team like Maccabi that goes from you know 19 year olds up to 38. Um, I look Maccabi is is generally speaking when you're looking at basketball as a whole, I'd say is one of the best. Is, is, is a top basketball team in the world when you're looking at basketball on a global scale. Duke continuously sends some of the best future basketball players that ever play the sport. Yeah. Um, it would be a really close game, and, and uh, I think we'd be able to give them a run for their money. I, you know, I really don't know. Um, Duke, look, Zion, Zion, I've been saying this since Zion was in high school. Zion, to me, is still the, the next, like, he is the next biggest thing with basketball. His abilities at his height and his weight and his wingspan and his speed to do what he's doing is ridiculous. And whether you're playing against pros or rookies, you know, he can do it all. And we have pros and rookies on our team and he would be able to like, you know, and he's last year is along with the best coach, one of the best coaches in college basketball. Um, It'd be hard. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would. I would say it would be a close match. Are, are people in Israel? I mean, I assume they must love. They must love the Zion story, right? The average NBA fan in Israel is probably like Zion's awesome. Unless like the kids here think that he's awesome. Um, they just like his, I think they like his name more than anything else. Oh, I me mean, also true, right? He's got a great Zionist name. <laughs> he's well. He's the cover, right? Yeah. No, I, they. When, when there's a crazy play, like a crazy dunk or some crazy athlete, you know, does something, it's, there's a Zion reference. But a lot of it also, too, is like the bigs, Kobe's and LeBron's and Jordan's um, over over in Israel. What's your, what's your basketball background, Barack? Um, I didn't so read I your actually, bio yet. What's that? I didn't get your bio yet. So what's your, what's your basketball background? My basketball background is, is very interesting. Um, my family moved to Israel when I was six. And that's when I first started playing basketball. We went back to the States and I continued with basketball and soccer and baseball. And then I gave up the others because basketball was, was, I think, the one that I was the best at and the one I liked most. I played, uh, played basketball um, in high school at Newton South. And I 
did a postgraduate year at the Pomfret School in Connecticut because I had some injuries at Newton South and I wanted some time to regain some recruitment. And unfortunately, those injuries had just continued till the end of my college career. I played at Pomfret. Um, I, then I went to Elmira College in New York for two years and then transferred to Curry College outside of Boston. But during the high school and basketball career, sorry, high school and college basketball career, the injuries just continued to pile up. And unfortunately, I kind of tell people I played a lot of rehab and not a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. And due to those seven, eight, nine consistent years of constant injuries and just playing catch up and MRIs and CAT scans and surgeries and braces and you name it, that sort of opened this world to me of fitness and nutrition and how to take care of your body and how to eat well and what is strength and conditioning. And um, that's how I got into my passion for what I'm doing now, which is sort of working with players and trying to get them into the best situation that none of them ever go through what I went through. Um, Mm. My dream was to play at the top level in college. I wanted to get a financial scholarship to not see my parents have to pay for college. And that didn't happen. And of course, when I was younger, my dream was to play as a pro. But I think I'm you know, learned at a very early age where I fit in in the in the basketball world of, of talent, and I accepted that as a young age. And and while being injured was, I'd say sometimes one of my biggest failures in basketball. I'd say it was also probably my life's biggest asset because it's given me you know my passion to do what I'm doing now. But uh, right. yeah. <clears throat> so how would the um how would the um your basketball team fare at Cold Springs Park? You know, at on the uh, on the A court. <laughs> Which basketball team? The Maccabi. <laughs> Maccabi. Um, they probably do well at Cold Spring. They probably at, do well at, at Cold Springs Park on a good on a good summer uh, July <laughs> afternoon. There might be some good run there. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great question, guys. All three of us know what that means too. Um, Barack. So so um, back when there was a season, you know, what 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 is your day like when you when you're working with these with these athletes, you know, mm-hmm. and how long did it take for them to really trust you to give them you know you know good advice and good programs you know i'll start with the second part um the the team this year all across from the staff the medical staff the coaches the players tremendous people tremendous players it's sort of maccabi is just this woven machine um and everything is seamless and the players um it, it, it took me some time, I think, a little bit to find my role with the guys, but um, I felt very comfortable also just, you know, with who I'm being supervised by, my boss Reggie and him take, taking me under his wing and showing me the ropes. And I learned the system very quickly. And the system kind of consists, it's, look, it's a, it's a professional sports team, so every day is a little bit different. On, on, a, on a game day, per se, we come in in the mornings and we have a team shoot around after that team lunch go home and then come back, get ready for the game on a, on a day where it's just practice. We usually have, um, a few guys come in the morning who are doing some strength and conditioning work with me and Reggie and we'll split them up sometimes upstairs on the court, sometimes in the weight room. Both of us are programming for specific players that I get assigned to and we split. Then guys go home and some guys come in early before practice later in the day to get to their workouts in. And then we have basketball practice together. And, and then after that we go home. So if, if I'm there on a non-practice day, it could be six, seven, eight hours, but there might be a break in between. Um, but it's a lot of it's a lot of one on one and sometimes group work and and it's two of us really that are doing this. So to get 13, 14, sometimes 15 guys in the weight room at once is impossible. So we have to sort of split it into shifts. Are you still? Are you are you playing any ball over there with the guys? Are you get a pull pickup, shoot around, or how's that work? With them, with with them, no. Um, I was playing. I was playing a lot when I came here after in August. I was trying to find some outdoor ball and I did in Tel Aviv. Uh, which I, I think is a little bit more wrestling than basketball, and I tried to stay away from it after the first 
first week or two. Probably um, pretty feisty too, right? Given my experience. Yeah, a lot you of know, bickering, a lot of arguing. <laughs> like, it's like the it's like the JCC. The J exactly the Leventhal Sidman JCC just outdoors exactly. <laughs> um, that's one thing, Dan. That I I'm I'm still trying to figure out because I, I I have the itch to play. I can't not play. I can't not put the rock in my hand and be on the hardwood. And that's something that's kind of it's it, it's tough because. That's why I do this. That's why, you know, if I could work for any sport in the world, it'd be basketball. But not to to not play is, is hard for me. I, you know, watching them play in practice every day and then me not being able to lace them up is tough. And I mean, it, so one, one thing you hear when people say, you know, when, you, when you're up front and, and you're with these pro basketball players, you just can't imagine, A, how big they are, and mm. B, just how, how much faster they are than you ever could be. So... Do you say, yeah, you know, I'm close, or no, they're actually that much better than I am, you well, know? Before you answer that, Iraq, how, how, how tall are you? Uh, six foot one. Okay. All right. 186 centimeters for the people who are in the other metrics. Uh, six yeah. foot one, yeah. Um, I, Dan, not even close. I mean, there's yep. some guys on the team, there's some guys that are shorter than me, yep. and it's not about height and weight. I think that there is a level of, um, misunderstanding when kids grow up playing sports and they aspire to their professionals and people really need to understand the work that these guys put in behind the scenes. It's unbelievable. The work ethic that these guys have and it, look, some of it is God-given talent and I'm not saying, you know, anyone can make it. You've got to be gifted with something, but the work that these guys put in and the gifts that they're given, I don't rank even close to the worst player in the Euroleague or the worst player in the NBA. These are the best, the smallest percentage of yep. the best guys who do this in the world. Yep. And from, yeah, not even close, not even on my best day. No. You know, Barack, when you started off, you talked about all your injuries and how what you're doing now is trying to prevent, you know, these things on players, you know, and, and I mean, to me, there's like two, two parts that um, the injuries and the wear and tear, you know, mm. you hear these stories of, you know, people who, who are running, they've been running since they were like, you know, marathons or cross country or whatever in high school to college and professional. They're just, they're running and they're still running no injuries. And you have your average Joe, maybe like me, um, who's running and then gets just, you know, you know, just injuries in general. Like how much of what you, you do pr would prevent your general athlete from getting injuries or some people just prone not to get them or, you know, their body's built for speed. Uh, well, I mean, some, so both, like the first thing, part of my, one of the biggest parts of being a conditioning coach, you monitor the stress level of all of your athletes. You need to take a look at how many times a week are they working out? What are they eating? How much sleep are they getting? What is their lifestyle at home? How many hours are they on the bus? How many hours are they on the plane? You know, do they have wives? Do they have kids? You have to look at the big picture hmm. and, you know, you need to look at all of the things that could, all of the things that could contribute to any level of stress in their life. And you need to look at all of that and you need to create programming specific to each player. If a player comes in and he's coming off of three and a half hours of sleep and we have a playoff game, that program for him, one, either there might not be a program for him that morning or that program for him will be completely tailored based off of his current life experience. There's not sort of a one, you know, one, one for all. Like you don't just write a program and apply that to everyone. Everyone's different. Some people are six foot nine and some people are six foot one. You know, some guys, some guys don't play at all. Some guys play, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a game. You need to look at all of those things. You need to be able to do your best job to monitor the stress level of all of your athletes so that you're not putting them in the position um, where this wear and tear is, is detrimental, right? You don't want to get into that negative, that negative slope. 
Yeah, and then you see, I mean, I, I have so many questions, but you see these, you see, you know, Larry Bird now and, and Magic Johnson, you know, and uh, Jordan and those commercials, you know, where they're all hobbling around and they're all like overweight. Um, you know, that's just age. But, you know, will players today not reach that point where their knees are shot if they if they fall these things correctly and, and their bodies are better? Um, so I don't have the answer to that. I don't think anyone does. But I will. what I will tell you is, you know, as a former I don't want to say former basketball player. As someone who used to play basketball in high school and college, you know, basketball is not good for you. Running <laughs> football, football is not good for you. Uh, baseball and cutting on your ankles, that's not good for you. Soccer, all that stuff on your tibias and your shin, it's not good for you, but we do it because sports is, it's, it's part of life. It's part of what so many people in this world love. And now we're in Corona, we don't have sports, right? And we're mm -hmm. missing this, like this pillar, this pillar of life. I will say that, you know, um, for the guys who have a, a long career, their body's going to pay for it. But I don't think that any of those guys have one regret in their life for not being able to, to not, you know, having a cane or having this, this injury the rest of their life. They put in work and dedicated, you know, their time of their career to doing something that they love. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that comes out of it. Like I said, basketball, physically, when we're looking at the, you know, it's not good for you. It's not good for your bones. It's not good for your ligaments. It's not good for your tendons. Um, but it's, uh, it's sports. I think that's one of the things, one of the territories that comes, comes with it. Oh, and what, it, what you're doing now would, I would assume would prevent some of that stuff in the future. Yeah, of course. So we yeah. want to, yeah, we want to, we want to make sure that we're programming guys and that we're teaching the right techniques and fundamentals and mechanics of strength and conditioning so that right now they're at, they're at their peak and you have to look at the season. You have to look at the, the postseason. You have to look at the off season, the preseason. There's four different cycles for each year. And all of those cycles mm. are, are sort of broken down into different ways of how we need to apply everything. And, you know, when guys retire, or when they hang up the shoes, that's not necessarily up to us. But every day, we want to make sure that they're feeling as good as possible when they come and when they leave. What about flexibility? Are the guys stretching? Are they doing yoga? I mean, Dave's wife is a yoga instructor. Is that woven into the program? Or, or do some guys do it, some guys don't do that? Or So some guys do, sometimes don't. We have guys doing Pilates on the side. We have uh, we have some people who work with the team outside for third party vendors and and they'll work with Pilates stuff. Um, if if yeah, like it's it's excuse me, it's one of the things that we also we need to look at because any of the work that the guys do outside of out of our doors, we need to make sure that we're aware of whether it's yoga, whether it's going on a run, because yep. that's going to contribute to what you know how we need to program them. If we don't know that they're going on runs three times a week and they're coming in and they're in pain and we're looking at our programs, we're not sure why, and then we found out they're going on these runs, yep. it's a huge difference. Yeah. Do you deal yeah. also with the nutritional aspect? Is that, do you have a whole team for that as well? We have, we, we have someone, we have a team nutritionist who, <clears throat> you know, comes in and takes in measurements and checks on players and, and you know, writing, you know, nutrition programs for all the families and the wives that are, are here in Israel with them. Uh, we, Reggie and I, we don't have as much of a handle, but you know, we're handing out protein, we're monitoring their creatine intake, and we're monitoring any supplements that they're taking. So Dave and I talked about creatine a few weeks ago. Um, tell us how you use that. Uh, there are some players, it de you know, it depends. There are some players that are taking some. Um, there are some players that are taking some during the day, and we're, there are some players that aren't. It's also some of the players prefer not to be taking creatine. Um, and it, it's a, it's a preference thing. It's not, we're not mandatory, you know, it's not right. mandatory across the board who needs to take what supplements, whether it's fish oil or, you know, vitamins yeah. or multivitamins or anything like that. So do some guys come to you and say, Hey, I, I want to get huge. 
<laughs> no, I'm serious. Or, or you're like, hey, like we want to get you leaner, or is it, or is it sort of tailored for each guy? You know. So you know, if a if a <laughs> if a player came in and said, hey, I want to get huge, um, th- there's a couple things. One, if if we're all getting huge, we're not going to be able to play basketball anymore. That's yeah. the first thing. That's um, my problem. I'm just too big to play basketball now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd- I think, uh-huh. ham, I think I think I think your ham box everybody Nobody up. asked you, Dave. Nobody Sorry. asked. Sorry. <laughs> I wish it worked that way. Um, no, uh, look, as as the strength and conditioning coaches, um, we need to make sure that we are letting them know, like our principles and the, and the ways it's going to work is, w- w- you know, we're doing our jobs based off of the best. You know, we we have the best recommendations for the players. If a player comes in. And he needs to lose weight. We're going to work with him to lose weight. If the player comes in and needs to put on some body mass, we're going to put on some body mass. If he yep. needs to come in and maintain, he's going to maintain. Um, if a player has a specific goal, we're going to help work with them. But we're all going to also explain to them and work out like what is the best scenario for that player. What position do they play? How many minutes are they playing? If there's someone who's not playing a lot of minutes, they can put on more load, and we can get them. We can get them there. If there's a player who who needs to lose some weight, we're going to make sure the program's tailored to that. So, um, I mean, you talk about the, the the fact that you have such a wide range of uh, folks, you have 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids, you have 35-year-old pros, you have Israelis, you have you have non-Israelis. Um, you have a guy, you know, you have guys coming who have had a 10- or 12-year career already who are just pros by this point, and they know their bodies, and you have a kid who's 19 who just, you don't know what he's going to be like when he's 25. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that's all, I mean, I wouldn't say it's challenging, this is kind of what you do, but it definitely isn't a one-size-fits-all approach for a guy, you know, again, like, you take Caspi and Denny, and they're, they're just two different guys. There's it's completely different things. You know? It's completely different things. You look at a guy like Caspi, who came from the NBA, yep. I think as strength and conditioning coaches, you can look at a team that you're overseeing, there are certain guys that you need to really be one-on-one with, and you need to make sure that you are I don't want to say holding their hand, but you're making sure that they're following all guidelines. And then there are other players that are more so you're managing because there are some guys who are coming in with the experience, like Caspi, for example, who has the experience of working with strength and conditioning coaches throughout his career, more so than Denny, for example. Um, now, it doesn't mean to say that Denny doesn't know what he's doing, but you you sort of learn quickly what players you can micromanage and what players you need to keep an extra eye on in that way. Um, and the pros definitely, I mean, look, it's just a matter of time, a matter of age. They have more experience under their belt. Do you, um, do you travel with the team? Uh, I travel with them within Israel. And when they're going outside of Israel, I work with uh, players who are staying behind who are injured. Awesome. Um, who's the best player in Europe right now? In the oh, EuroLeague? You know? Tough question, I know. <laughs> yeah, tough question. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm biased. I, I, we have a point guard, his name's Scotty Wilbekin, and he played at Florida. Yep. And, and he now plays for us. He... Um, it I believe is a little bit shorter than I am, and I'm I'm saying I'm not saying that as discipline. I'm saying that because what he can do with the basketball is is phenomenal. Uh, he can score the ball whenever he wants yep. at his height, and he is just he's a dog. Um, and I just don't think that there's anyone in the Euroleague that can guard him when he needs to put the ball in the bucket. He gives one look and he puts the ball in the bucket um, consistently. It's definitely Scott. Um, you know, Israeli sports fans, as you know, are notoriously short-tempered and loud, and uh, and sort of going to a basketball game in Israel is a different experience than going at the TD Garden. So, can you describe sort of some of that culture and difference that you'll get in the stands, Mivtachim or, or someplace which is not a big city, versus going to an NBA game? Yeah, um, 
I got to be careful with with what I do share. Yeah. I've seen, I've no, seen not giving specific people. examples, like just you know, general behaviors that you'd be like, oh, that happens in the pro basketball yeah. game. I, you know, my first experience in European sports was this summer, or sorry, after this summer when I came to Israel. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, if you could go to a Celtics game at the Garden right now, and you could walk in and sit, and you could say whatever you wanted without getting kicked out. Whatever you wanted to whoever you want and whatever gestures and hand signals and things that you want to do and potentially end up also throwing something onto the court and not get kicked out, you could go, you know, that's sort of giving you an idea of what happens. And these games, these games get intense. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, um, look, you know, it's, it's people from different shkunot, people from different neighborhoods and different areas of Israel playing each other. And it's just like a matter of territory and who was here first. And like, it's competitive, man. I mean, the the level of basketball competitively might not be as high as the NBA, but I'm gonna say that the atmosphere of the the games here, at least at you know our arena, I mean, the fans are just engaged on a level that you you can't comprehend. It, it, it's you don't see that in the states. Yep. You do you don't see that kind of. I'm talking basketball games at least. Yep. Celtics games. You you I haven't seen that, and it makes for it, the experience is just. For the players, for the coaches, for the fans, um, the, the, you feel the, you really feel the building shaking for the whole game. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. It sounds like one of Dan's daughter's basketball games he went to recently. <laughs> oh my god! Don't I mean yeah. Somewhere between the uh, the NBA and Israel is youth basketball fandom, Barack, as, as you might remember from your childhood. Yes, um, NA, the Newton Athletic Association at Brown Middle School. Yeah, right. There we go. The kids. <laughs> I know it's a good doing that right now. Um, <laughs> Barack, pa- Passover's coming. So what are your plans for like a remote quarantine of Passover? Are you going to Zoom with your folks back home? What's the story? That's what we're doing. On Wednesday, uh, they're dialing at 3, 3.30 in Boston time, so I can make make the call with them. Yep. And um, yeah, no, fortunately here, I'm, I'm here solo, and I got to get creative with what I'm going to do with food and what I'm going to do with the kitchen. But um, looks like we're doing a Zoom call on Wednesday, and I think that's what most people are, are going to be doing right now. Um, and where are you living in Tel Aviv right now? What neighborhood? So it's right next to Yad Eliyahu. It's it's where the it's like five minutes from where the arena is. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, Geller, you look serious. Um, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just looking at his at his wall behind him with a map of the United States back yeah, is, there. Is that, a, is that a Boston panorama you got back there and a map mm-hmm. of the U.S.? Like, what do you got over there? So the 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 map of the U.S. is so again. I took this as a sublet. Um, yep. So this is not my room. The the um, guy who lives here used to work at a uh, summer camp in the states, um, and he travels. And he also has an Amazon business where he makes these uh, these player player quotes and puts them on the wall. So we have Steph Curry, Kyrie, Giannis. Um, so I feel very at home here, actually. You gotta redecorate. Put some put some of your own stuff up there. I I told him I wouldn't touch the wall. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I mean, I assume. I mean, are, are all leagues kind of waiting and seeing about a restart? Are you hearing anything? Is the Euro League just going to be, you know, maybe they'll start it back in July? I mean, or, or no, 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 no information. Just guessing. Exactly. No information. Just guessing. And I actually, you know, my plan was to go back to the states in the middle of June after the season, and um, I, I don't have a ticket back, and I don't know when there would be a ticket back necessarily. So um, everything is just a waiting game because the situation here is in comparison uh, i'd say way ahead of the situation in the states right now so um but in terms of uh, in terms of the league in terms of the season the israeli league and the euro league um we have really no idea 
Are you saying the situation there is ahead in terms of the um, the virus, the spread, or or your preparations? Because you guys are really locked down. You you guys are really. Shut I would down. say I would say both. I'd, yeah. I'd say I'd say um, preparations and also like what's being mandated, and and so and and I I just think that I just think that there's a stricter. I just think they're doing a a better job of trying to eliminate this thing as fast as possible and flatten the curve and try and get people to really buy into the system. And you and you guys are all following the rules over here. Like around here, we tell people people to socially distance and they all go to the playground and play on the swings for a while. You know, they, they so, you guys. We, no, I, look, there's there's and that's not just in the states or in Israel. That's everywhere. You're going to have people that aren't going to listen, but this, the rules are continuing to get more strict, and the government is continuing to lock down more on whether it's handing out fines or. You know, I don't know if there are arrests being, ha- you know, happening, but um, unfortunately, look, there's people who are going on runs and going to the parks and going out with their families and not listening. Um, yeah. Those are the, those are the people that are continuing to not help the situation. Are you, going, you know, Dan, Dan was thinking about running one of those marathons, you know, around his house like eight thousand times just to stay in shape. Right. Would so you? We, that's that's not true. conditioning that's, coach, that's, would you no, recommend no, that? No, 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 no. See, the problem with Dave is Dave likes to run in place. Dave literally runs in place or like in his driveway for half an hour. I'm like, I don't even know how you would do that. That is neither here nor that is neither here nor there, Barack. Um, just a question: what, what? When did the um did the Euro League and the and the league and the Premier League shut down at the same time? Or what shut down first? Um. Uh, if I remember correctly, the Euro League the the suspension was announced officially before. So the EuroLeague announced, and then the Israeli league. The and Israeli was league. that like early March? Was it like mid March? When was that? I'm trying to remember because I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking in a second. I we're in April, right? Uh, <laughs> Somewhere here. Yeah, early early March. Yeah, because I think whatever I think it was the 11th that Wednesday night. Dave and I were talking, and that's when the news flashed. You know, NBA season suspended, and we're like, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, in this country. That everything everything kind of changed at that moment. People are like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's it, all going to go in that, the next two weeks, and that right. was sort of the harbinger of things to come. You know, that, yeah. And then everything was a domino effect after that. I remember now. Once the NBA announced, it was just a matter of time until the EuroLeague announced. Oh, yeah, so it was, it was afterwards. That's yeah, it was, yeah, it was shortly after. Yeah. And where and were you, were you at home? Were you there? Like, how did that all happen? From like, were you just sitting around? They gave you a call or. Basi- I, I, I was basically like, you know, in the regular routine of working out. We, you know, we were expecting something to happen, but we were still going on with our regular day until we got the official word. And then I got a phone call from, from my boss explaining the situation. And it's right. just like, you know, there wasn't enough prep for it. You just got to listen at that yeah. point. Wow. Um, Dave, last question from you. Um, how much of this stuff do you have over there? This, this toilet paper. Do you guys have enough of that? Oh, man. Um Fortunately, we we have we have a good uh, we have a good supply right now. <laughs> All right. Well, because you know, in the states, it's it's like the one thing that nobody has, or the people are hoarding. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. No, I have to say, um, Brock, it's, it's been it's been great to talk to you. Um, you really have a lot of information, and I would love to talk to you more. Uh, I think we can do that. Maybe when you back, either before you come back, or when you're back in the states, we can have you on in person. It'd be great. If, if if I end up back in the states, I don't I don't know what's going to happen here. Well, Brock, I mean, if you pick in the year to go to Israel, man, I mean, this is, I mean, between the 80, 85 elections and this, um, you're, you're seeing a lot and experience a lot of things firsthand. So, hey, I mean, that's part of, that's part of life over there. So, uh, yeah, something, you know, it, 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 there's, look, I, I, in the bigger picture of things is I'm still trying to figure out if this is a place I want to move to long term. And so 
being here in Israel and, and being able to experience this in Israel, you know, as much as like be with my family and everything, it's not the end of the world. There are a lot of other places I could be stuck in right now that I'd be a lot less happier to be in. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Awesome. Well, listen, we wish you a really uh, festive and as, as, as good as you can have it, a Passover that's full of meaning and connection to your, uh, your family back home. So um, we'll have you back on sometime soon. Keep us posted on developments over there. And um, this go up sometime Monday or Tuesday. Absolutely. Thank right, you, Dave. Take care, man. It was great to talk to you. Thank you, Barack. Take talk care. some math to everyone. Talk some math. Talk some See you later. What Do We Know is written by Dan Broskell and Dave Geller and produced by Julie Manugian at Lex Media in Lexington, Massachusetts. Our theme music is written by Joey Freeman. Joey's work can be found on SoundCloud and Spotify. See you next time. Thank you.